Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. And a lot of you know what this book is. If you've read the Bible, this is a, a very interesting portion of Scripture here. It's from Solomon. And he wrote this. He said, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heavens. There's always a season and there's always a time and there's always a purpose. Okay? I like to tell people with, about relationships. People come into your life. They come into your life for three different uh, scenarios. They come in for a reason, for a season, or for a lifetime. Some of your friends will be lifers. I call them lifers. You'll have them all your life, those friends. There'll be other people who will come into your life for a season. You can look at that in just an elementary Example of that would be your schoolmates, your classmates. You went to school with them because you grew up in the same community. You went to school with them because you were the same age. You were in the same class with them because you were born the same year they were. Those are for a season. I encouraged Caitlin the other day when she was reading her yearbook and she was crying. I said, don't cry. I said, I'll give you some encouragement. Some of those people you'll never see again, you know. And it's true. Some you will never see again. And then there are people who come in for a purpose. They just come in for a short time and a purpose in your life. You're going through a situation, and suddenly there's this person there that somehow the Lord puts in your life to help you through it. So there's a reason, a purpose or reason, a season, and a lifetime. And so Solomon says there's a season for everything, there's a time and a purpose for everything. There's a time to be born, and there's a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what up that which has been planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. Well, that, that scripture right there will preach. Because sometimes there are people that you have to Keep in your life for a while, then it's other times you need to let them go. Some people you got to let go sometimes, some situations. A time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silent, and a time to speak. All about time. Everybody say time. It's all about time. A time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. That's the King James. So I want to talk to you today about the most important piece of information on every headstone. The dash. The hyphen. Whatever you want to call it. The hyphen, the dash. Now, this hyphen and dash sets between the time you were born and the time that you died. 
Solomon just said there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. All of us are going to be dying while the others of us will be crying. My, I'm just writing a poem right now as we go. Some will be sighing. Some will be realigning. I'm running out of items here. We're all going to die. All of us are going to die. The youngest of us, if they spend enough time on earth, these physical bodies that that scroll has been inserted in, that physical body will die. So you have the time of birth and the time of death. But in between that is that dash. There's that dash that holds so much information. It is one of the smallest things on that tombstone, that headstone. It's one of the smallest pieces of information, but yet it contains all of the information between the birth and the death of each of us. It contains the first day of kindergarten. It contains the first day of preschool. It contains the day where your parents took you to daycare and the first day and cried when they left because you're growing up too fast. It contains your high school prom. It contains your high school graduation. It contains your college experience, two years, four years, eight years, whatever it took to get you smart. It contains all of that. It contains your, the day that you were married, the day of your birth of your first child. The, the time of your honeymoon is in that dash. The time every vacation you took as a family is in the dash. Every picnic that you did, every family reunion that you did is in the dash. Every church service that you attended is in the dash. Every, every cardinal game is in the dash. If you're a Cub fan, it's in the dash as well. It's there. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Everything is in the dash. Every morning you got up and went to school is in the dash. What was it we said? 25,500 opportunities. If you're 70, if you live to be 70 years old, at 365 days a year, you have 25,500 and some opportunities. All of those are contained in the dash. Every 25,000 mornings is in that dash. Everything lies in the dash. Everything lies in the dash from when you went to the doctor and you found out that you had a disease that couldn't be cured. Every day that you spend in a cancer ward or treatment with chemo is in the dash. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Some people, they go to the military and they have a military life. Maybe they retire from the military after 20 years or whatever. It's all in the dash. It's all in the dash. So I want to read to you a poem about the dash. It's by Linda Ellis. It says, I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that the first came the date, that first came the date of birth and spoke the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that they spent alive on earth. And now only those who love them know what that little line is worth. 
For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel and be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you spent your dash? It represents everything that comprises our lives. Each of us sat here today because of the dash. Something to think about, isn't it? Something to think about, the dash. The dash. Now, What's in your dash? There's probably some good times in your dash. Had some good things happen in your life. Had some wonderful things happen in your life. Maybe you got to go on a nice trip to a, a nice place on a vacation. Maybe you got to Go to some of the beaches of the world in your dash. Maybe you're from the Midwestern flatlands and the mountains intrigue you. So you like Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge. Amy and I went there in January and I started on those roads and <laughs> I said, I feel like I'm back in West Virginia. I mean, you're going up the a road in, in Gatlinburg, and all you see is sky. And when you top the, the knoll, you still can't see what's going below. I mean, the road just kind of like disappears. That could be in your dash. You know, you, you got married to your high school sweetheart. That's in your dash. Maybe you have regrets. That's in your dash. Whatever it is, it's all in your dash. And if you're not happy with your dash, if you're not happy with what's going on in your dash, you've got another opportunity to change it in the morning. You've got another opportunity to change it today. The Bible says, I didn't put this down, the Bible says, in, I believe it's in Ecclesiastes, maybe chapter 3 or chapter 7, that his mercies are new and renewed every morning. Every morning the Lord gives us new mercy. Every morning, the Lord gives us new chances. 
The Bible says in Psalm 68, he loads me daily with his benefits. We have benefits of the Lord. One thing is this, and you don't realize it. I mean, I know Alex and Amber, it's tough to realize, and all of you that are raising kids, it's tough to realize. And let me tell you something, it's hard. Raising kids is hard, okay? Raising kids is hard because it involves a lot of work. Raising kids is hard because of the demands of the day. Especially in the hour that we're living in now. I just saw a letter come down from a state senator about the new sex education that they want to start pushing through the schools beginning in kindergarten. You know what? We have to, as parents, we take a, a, a charge in a baby dedication that we're going to raise our kids godly, that we're going to raise our kids to serve and, and, and honor and walk by the precepts of the Lord. Like I said before, we don't want to raise kids who just end up, you know, homeless, drug addicts, trying to find their way through life all the days of their lives, but we want to instill in them the principles of the kingdom. You know, and, and there, are people, there are people that are homeless today, people that are incarcerated today that did not have a chance to have the Word of God put in them. They did not have the home and the atmosphere to put the Word of God in them. I know somebody right now that has struggled with addiction all of his life, all of his life, and he said, you know what they used to put in my bottle when I was a toddler? They used to put whiskey in my bottle, and then they'd laugh when I was drunk as a two-year-old. That's not a chance right there, friends. That's not a chance. Today we have babies who are born in, in, as meth addicts because, and cocaine addicts and crack addicts because the mom is using, and it passes through the bloodline into their, their physical system, and then the, the babies come out, and they're needing this touch, this fix. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying, it, you know what? The dash is very important, and we all have control of our dash today. All of us have control of our dash today. If you don't like something, you know what? You can take it back if you buy it. The Lord has given us a return policy. If you don't like the way you're living, I'm giving you another chance in the morning. If you don't like the way things are going, I'm going to give you some benefits to help you overcome what is happening in your life now. The question is, what are we going to do with it? The question is, what are you going to do with that 25,550, I believe it was? What are you going to do with that 25,000 plus mornings? 25,000 opportunities. You know, the devil wants to tell you, well, you've really messed up. The devil wants to say, look at your life. Look at where you find yourself now. Listen, I was there. I was there. You say, well, how was you there, pastor? How was you there? Oh, I was there. I was 40 years old, and I didn't have a job. 40 years old and didn't have a job. Now, I had other things in, of sources of income. I had rental property, et cetera. But for, I did not have a job. And, I, and, and so my wife is going to surprise me and give me a 40th birthday party. That's probably the last one I probably want to, the last surprise birthday party. 
The rest of them, once you get higher like that, you can't hardly breathe, and you can't count that high anyway, so why even have one? So you can't blow the candles out. You seen those candles where somebody has so many candles on there, the cake catches on fire? You know? I don't want that to happen to me. And so I'm at this 40th surprise birthday party, and the whole time the devil is gnawing in my ear. Here you are, 40 years old and don't even have a job. You have four kids and don't even have a job. You don't even know what you're going to do with your life. Your wife has to work full-time, full-time worker, full-time mom. And here you are. You have nothing. You spent the last 14 or 15 years of your life giving and giving to a system that now the system is gone. I'm telling you what I came from. Now the system that you served so graciously and so faithfully isn't even there for you now. What are you going to do? You, you don't even have a skill. You don't even have a, you can't weld. You're not a very good carpenter. No, I'm sure not. That's the truth. You're a good floor sweeper. Boy, I did. I keep, can keep a good barn, barn floor clean. What are you going to do? How are you going to support this family? But you know, I found out one thing, that God is faithful. And it doesn't matter what the situation looks like in the present time that you're in. God says, my mercies are going to be new in the morning again, and I've got another load of benefits coming for you. So just hang on. More benefits are on the way. And then he tops it all off where it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. God orders your steps. God will take care of you if you stay faithful to him. You don't like the dash in your life? Hang on. It's going to get better. And what I was saying was this. It's tough raising kids. It's tough. And when you start to become a grandparent, that's when it gets better. It's like you, they come and then they go. You don't always have to give them a bath. You don't always have to do all of that stuff. What I'm saying is you begin to appreciate. You begin to appreciate those kids a little more. You begin to see their worth a little bit more. You know, I know it's hard. You come in and you got kids to feed and you got to give them baths because when you feed them, they, they got it in their hair, they got it in their ears, you know. The other morning before we left uh, for Amy and her MRI, Edison needed held by Paul. And at, after the MRI, Amy and I were eating, and she said, what is all over your shirt? What was it? It was the smashed muffins all over my shirt, my clean shirt. And listen, if there's... Let me, tell you, let me tell you two things that I can't take, two senses, sensitivities, is greasy and sticking, okay? Greasy and sticking. If I get sticky, it's over. I mean, I'm losing my mind. So I like it when they give the kid medicine and he spits it out and it's sticky. And I just got out of the shower. Oh, Lord. You just want to go back through the shower again, drive through. Don't even take your clothes off, just walk on through. 
but it's tough raising kids. But hang on, there's a new opportunity in the morning. There's more benefits in the morning. And just walk with what the Lord gives you in life. Walk with it. And the Lord, you say, Pastor, I've had bad times. I've had bad situations, and, and I'm getting ready to close. Hey, and can we do amazing grace? Old amazing grace. Amazing grace. Crying out again for the praise team. How sweet the sound. Okay. Pastor, I've had bad things happen to me. I've had bad situations. I've had disappointments. I didn't have, I didn't have the family that you had, Pastor, to, to get you to where you are today. Well, I didn't have them either. My dad was an alcoholic. What was amazing was, is my dad was the alcoholic in the family, but my mom is the one who drugged me to church. And it was my dad's family that got my mom in the Holy Ghost-filled church. My mom grew up in the Lutheran church. My mom grew up in the Lutheran church. My dad grew up in the Baptist church. The hard-shell Baptists is what they called them. You ever heard of them? Primitive. Primitive Baptist. I don't know what you was primitive. I don't, you know, I guess you couldn't. I don't think they sang with music. I don't know if they even had electricity. I'd had an outhouse. I don't know whatever they had out there. But I do know this, that, that you know, my dad's family found the, the spirit-filled church, just like Clark was talking about today. And the power of the Holy Ghost in your life can break family curses. I believe, that, I believe there are generational family curses that we have to break in our lives. You know what? If, if, uh, if alcoholism is in every generation in your family tree, in the same bloodline, that's probably an, a generational curse. So in my family's life, the Zimmerman family, we had alcoholism and womanizing. I have a great, great, Ginger can tell you how many greats, uh, grandfather, his name was John Zimmerman. This is back around the late 1800s, the turn of the century. And his wife is buried in the Baptist church cemetery in my hometown. But he's not. And Listen, the Zimmerman family, there were nine girls and a brother and two boys, okay? That's 11. When my grandmother died, grandchildren and great-grandchildren, 99. All right? 99. Thank God you didn't have to buy Christmas presents for all of us. But she said, she was told by my aunts that Whenever the name John Zimmerman, Grandpa John, came up, everybody in the house went silent. There wasn't much known about him. There wasn't much talked about him, Grandpa John, because for some reason he had left his wife. Back in those days when you leave your wife or your spouse, I mean, today they celebrate that. But back then they didn't. Ginger found Grandpa John's grave found and found out that he lived in a town called Uniontown, Pennsylvania, Fayette County, Pennsylvania. 
and he was buried there. And on the 1910 census or whatever it was, uh, he was living with another woman. So alcoholism and womanizing runs through that bloodline. When my family got in church, my great my grandparents, when my grandparents got in the Holy Ghost filled church, and the Holy Ghost came into their lives, my grandmother began to pray, Lord, whatever it takes to save my husband, Eli Oliver Roy Zimmerman. How about that? Now there's just some good names. Eli is a biblical name. Okay. Don't know about Oliver. Don't know about Roy. But God filled my grandfather with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And then my dad got the Holy Ghost. And my dad led my mom from the Lutheran church into the Holy Ghost-filled church. But then my dad is still fighting that alcohol demon, that alcohol curse, that womanizing curse. So, yeah, I didn't have the exact ideal family to put me in as pastor here to make me a pastor. All I know is that my family continued and my mom never stopped going to church and she always took me to church. Every Sunday we're going to church. There ain't no question you're going to church. There ain't, there ain't no question you're going to church. When it came around to Sunday, you're going to church. I've missed football games because of church. I've missed Super Bowls because of church. Who knew? Who would have thunk it? I miss Super Bowls because of church. And so now, I'm trying to raise a generation in my family that's a godly, Jesus name, Holy Ghost-filled generation. And so, bad things can come and bad things happen. At the end of my dad's life, he came back to the Lord. I had the privilege of preaching that Father's Day message back in 2008. One of the last times he was ever in church. He missed a lot because of his health after that. But I got the privilege to watch him sit in that pew and cry and pray and praise and speak in tongues as the Holy Ghost was renewed in his life. So that's good. That's good. But un who would have thought, unknown to any of us, I end up going to Texas, to college. For some reason, I want to go, I want to, go to Bible college. I chose to go to Texas down in Houston. The reason I wanted to go to Texas, number one, they put out some good preachers out there, and I thought maybe I could be a good preacher. And number two, it did not snow in Houston. Actually, switch those around. That was probably the first reason I went. My pastor that I was under at the time, he graduated, or he went to Apostolic Bible Institute in St. Paul, Minnesota. And he said to me, Tracy, have you ever considered going to Minnesota? No. No. I believe it is not the will of God for me to go to Minnesota. I already live in little Minnesota. So I went to college. Freshman year, sophomore, junior year senior year while I'm in Texas I met this girl her name was Amy Joe Amy Joe Worley she was in Bible college as well come on out here Amy we might as well look at you too come on out here 
Now, the year before, I had, or, I had dated a girl for a few months that was already from Illinois. And that was, that was a train wreck. That was a fiasco. So I said to the Lord, I said, listen, I do not want to ever date anybody else from Illinois ever again. Sometimes the Lord hears your prayers. Other times he just smiles at you. So when I was talking to Amy and getting to know her, I said, so what? She was from Texas because her brother lived in Texas and she was living with her brother. And so I was so excited to find out what part of Texas her family was from. And she said, oh, I'm not originally from Texas. All right, so listen, we got 48 other states. Right? I knew she wasn't from South Carolina because she didn't have that accent. So we got 48 other states other than Illinois or Texas. I said, well, so where are you from? She said, I'm from Illinois. I said, no. No. And if it wouldn't have been for those deep, piercing brown eyes I said well maybe we can make this work so what I am saying today is this she was in Texas because her mother passed away when she was six years old now she's about 14 and she moves to Texas she moved to Texas because she wanted to live for the Lord. She moved to Texas because she knew that living for the Lord was going to be a lot easier in Texas with her brother who was a pastor than to be in Illinois where nobody was going to church in her house. You see how, parents, you see how hard it is and how important it is that you make sure that you provide an atmosphere that those kids are in a godly atmosphere. That's how important it is. And so... As you probably well know, we got married. And we've been married almost 34 years. Oh, my Lord. Addison, you're not even 34. We were married long before you came along, huh? Long before. 34 years. And then as we've been on this journey together, this has been our part of our dash. This is when our dashes came together. And now the things in my dash become the things in her dash and vice versa. And we decide during that time when I was 40 years old, I put a fleece before the Lord a couple months later. And I said, Lord, if you want me to start a church in Vandalia, you're going to have to do this, this, and this and show me. And below, lo and behold, he did blah, blah, blah. And boom, we're here. We started a church. And we've had some fabulous times pastoring this church. And we've had some difficult times pastoring this church. You know, we're not exempt from problems. But as we, today as we celebrate the dash, if this sermon has any title, it's called the dash. Is that what it's called? Hyphen dash. I guess the fancy thing, it's like hyphen. It's like dinner and supper, you know. Depends on what you, where you live, whether you had dinner or supper. You have Thanksgiving dinner, but come on in for supper. You know, whatever. 
So the dash, today we celebrate the dash here. And we want to remember. We want to remember those. Come on up here beside me, baby. We want to remember those who have graced our presence and graced our life. And each of us. So we want to remember those who are no longer here among us, and they went on to their reward. In 2012, we lost Brother Lloyd Carson. Brother Lloyd, I called him Mr. Clean, the lawnmower and guy. Somebody, he, he said, Who, who's going to mow that churchyard out there? We had just moved here in, in the spring of 2009. Who's going to mow that churchyard? I said, I don't know. He said, don't worry about it. I got it covered. And he did every week. He mowed. He weed-eated. It looked fantastic. Somebody asked me one time for directions to the church. I was on the other side of town. They were delivering something. I said, all you got to do, because I just drove by, and Lloyd was out here driving, mowing. And I said, all you got to do, you'll know you're at the right church when you see Mr. Clean on a Kubota mowing grass, smoking cigarettes, and blowing the smoke. The only thing he didn't have was the earring. He had that bald head, and it was tanned. For the Lord was a good man, a good man. And we lost him in 2012. 2013, we lost Bob Hughes. Bob was from St. Elmo as well. He came because of the witness of Dave Price. We lost him. I'll never forget, we had a dinner over here one time, and we had, it was spaghetti. And, it was a, and we, had a, we had a paper plates or styrofoam plates, and Brother Bob was walking around the turn to try to get to his table, and his plate snapped. And spaghetti went all the way down Jake Hubbard's neck. Amen. You see, pastoring a church, you get all of these excellent examples and, and, and memories. Benjamin Clough, we lost Brother Benny in March of 2013, 21 years old, son of Brother Troy and Sister Tina Clough. It's hard losing young people. Got to keep your spirit man alive and fed every day. Amen. 2015, we lost David Price. David Price was a soul winner. And the devil fought him really, really hard all through his life. But I'm telling you, he knew how to get a hold of souls. One guy went over to get his oil changed, and by the, before it was done, the guy that went in to get his oil changed was laying on the floor speaking in tongues. Because the guy that had the, needed the oil change was telling Dave Price about everything that, everything that uh, was wrong in his life and all that he needed, and, and he couldn't do it himself. And, and Aaron Davis is who it was. Aaron said, the next thing I know, Dave is like climbing over the desk and laid his hands on him and started praying. And that brought in others that we're going to mention here today. We lost Dustin Conway very tragically. We lost him in 2015, the son of Dennis Conway. And we lost Cotton Worley. I'll never forget on those, those hot 
late summer evenings in, in Texas and in Houston when I was trying to figure out all of Amy's life. So I said, so what's your dad's name? And she said, Cotton. And I'm like, what kind of family would name their kid Cotton? I said, his name is Cotton. Well, that's not his real name, but every, nobody knows his real name. Everybody just knows him as Cotton. So his real name was Delbert Lawrence. <laughs> and he said, he used to say, Who, what kind of mom would name her boy Lawrence? So he, we lost Grandpa Cotton that year. 2018, we lost a classic, Brother Pete Sutherland. I miss him sitting right back there across from the aisle from Brother Vernie. Pete used to have his Bible. He had every bulletin, every lesson handout, all jammed in his Bible, laying all over the pew. And I said, Pete, why don't you take that home so you can study at home and clean up your pew a little bit? Pastor, I like keeping it right there because if something comes to me, I can look there and find it again, and the Lord just brings it to me. You could not win an argument with Pete Sutherland. Amen. 2019, we lost... Sister Eula Tate, such a sweet lady. <clears throat> One time I went to see her and she said, Now, Pastor Tracy, I've got something to tell you, and I don't want any back talk from you. And I said, Oh, my Lord, here's this 90 pound old lady talking to me, 100 and some pounds. She wasn't, didn't want any back talk. And I said, what's that, Sister Eula? She said, you're not going to make a big deal about me when I'm dead. You're not going to say anything. In fact, all you got to do is just pack me up and take me to the graveyard. I said, yes, ma'am. But I had to ask for forgiveness because I did say a little bit at her memorial. We lost a classic here, Mary Lou. Sister Mary Lou, Brother Clark's mom. Sister Susan's mother-in-law, grandkids, Grandma Alda, Amber, Abby, and Austin, great-grandma. She was a classic, too. Willing to do anything. She did a lot of sewing details for us. She, she mailed out the card, birthday cards for us. She said, you don't even realize how many. You know how many, Pastor, do you know how many cards we, we sent out last year? I said, I don't know. She said, we sent out over 200 cards last year. But she was very faithful in doing that. And we miss her today. Then in 2021, just this past year, Susan's mom and dad, Kay passed away in March, March 19th. And Morris passed away May, May 6th. What was that? How many weeks? Seven weeks apart. I'll never forget when Morris was in the hospital. He was in the hospital for a heart procedure. And they were trying to explain to Avery that everything was going to be all right. And they said, you know, Diane said, Avery, you know, a lot of people go through this and come out all right. And she's like, yeah, who? Well, you know, when you're put on the spot like that, you can't think of it. But they didn't realize they were talking about Morris. And Morris, I would describe him as a tough old bird. 
he was an old, old timer. And I first met Morris almost 30 years ago at Vandalia Plumbing and Heating. I went in there with Aaron Lay, and I'm telling you, those two got together and left me in the, in the smoke. They were jumping all over that store, climbing up and down and stuff. And so they're out of their suffering now. Fortunately, Kay only suffered just a few weeks. She had, I, I think it was about two weeks or three weeks that I, the last time I saw her alive, and she still was not having any pain at the time or anything. And so these folks that have been in our church have shared with us. We want to remember them today as well. We want to remember them today. And another one I, I didn't see up there, maybe I forgot to put him, was Ivan Davis. Ivan Davis was Aaron's dad. So in closing, let me let me do this. Let's all stand. We're going to sing Amazing Grace, and then we're going to be dismissed. In closing, let me say this. Uh, so Aaron goes in for an oil change in his trailblazer, gets the Holy Ghost, goes and tells his mom and dad about the Holy Ghost. His mom and dad come to church and get the Holy Ghost. See how it works? And then Brother Ivan has contracted cancer. But when we laid him to rest, we knew this one thing. He'd been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. And you know what? That's the, that's the main thing. This body is just temporary. This body that we're living in is just temporary. It's just temporal. It's going to dissolve and go back to dust. But our man inside is going to live on forever. And so I just want to remember those today that have made this church what it is. This church is very, very special. Very, very special. And we're just looking for what the Lord's going to do in the future with all of us. And for those who aren't here today because of traveling and et cetera. So let's sing this song, Amazing Grace. You, you all know it. You ready? Amazing Grace, how sweet the
just thank you for this time together today. We thank you for this time of remembering. We thank you for this time, Lord, of remembering, God, those who have served our country and sacrificed. Those, Lord, who have been in this church and have sacrificed. And, Lord, those, Lord, we give you the praise for those that have accepted your sacrifice the supreme, the ultimate sacrifice of dying on the cross, shedding your blood, taking our sins away. We just ask you, Lord, on this holiday weekend to help us to continue to remember. Keep your hand upon us as we go. Lord, Lord protect us as we go from this place. Make us more cognizant to worship and praise you more each and every day. And as we walk with you all the days of our lives, until we hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. amen.